You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Friday the 19th of August, coming to you from York, day three of the Skybet Ebor Festival. I'm hoping that I can get through this podcast without complete accompaniment from the brass band who I can hear tuning up. I could just hear a, a few rim shots over my right shoulder. Uh, Lydia Hislop is with me today uh, to look back a little, to look forward a little. And the news this morning... Uh, as far as the horses are concerned, is that Stradivarius will not run in today's Lonsdale, which is a great disappointment to everyone here at York, who's worked so hard to promote his appearance because he's got a, a bruised foot, according to, to John Gosden. Uh, he said it's nothing serious, and he said if the owner fancied going to Doncaster or Ascot or whatever, then he'd be up for that. Um, true Shan, Alan King will make a decision um, after the first race and after he's walked the course here. Lydia's with me. This race could rather be completely robbed of, of most of its interest, couldn't it? Sadly, it really could do. Um, and certainly in terms of Stradivarius, the crescendo that they've been working towards all season as now without it, it's it's what could have been the, the final note. Um, already, owner Bjorn Nilsson was suggesting that he was tempted to keep the horse in training as an eight-year-old. So there were already noises that the, the show would go on. And now, I suppose John Gosden has never really identified a target beyond the Lonsdale so now that we know it could be the Doncaster Cup which which makes a lot of sense probably more likely to get the kind of ground he wants than the long distance cup and I, I, I spoke to Alan King and I, I, he sounded as though he was in a real dilemma yeah. I was sort of pointing out to him the times had not suggested that there was an awful lot of good to firm if any in the ground really yeah. although we've had a relatively dry morning it's not that hot no it's not and uh, spits and spots of rain overnight but nothing measurable there was a tailwind yesterday so that would have been making the times look a bit quicker than perhaps the ground actually was um you know on the first days jockeys like ryan moore were absolutely adamant that you know it was good at the absolute fastest so um you know and it's a flat track it's not like goodwood um so i would be inclined to run but then i'd always be inclined to run absolutely um yesterday saw alpinista win her fifth Group 1 race, her first on home soil in the Darley Yorkshire Oaks. Could she provide Sir Mark Prescott with victory in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, do you think? And that would be an incredible way for him to... Not that I'm trying to retire, <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at. Well, he was saying yesterday that uh, for the first time he's got um, a lesser number of yearlings than he would do normally, lesser number of orders, and that's despite ever having had a really good season last season and training Alpinista to... Her four Group 1 victories last season, um, two more this season. Um, yeah, I think she could. I mean, you were talking with, with Rishi this week, weren't you, about you know what, what there is in the arc. There's nothing terrifying at this stage no. as long as Baid doesn't turn up. Exactly. I mean, he changes the whole deal. Mm. But something's got to run against him, even if he does turn mm. up. So, so it may as well be her with lots of good form and five Group 1s and, and guaranteed stamina. I was really interested by your interview with Sir Mark Prescott, and it's something about I've observed when he's had a, a really good horse. He's, he's quite humbled by the big occasion, isn't he? You know, he's, you know, for someone who's always incredibly engaging and has all these anecdotes and is a great raconteur, when he wins a Group 1, it's almost as though he feels quite overawed by, by, by what he's got on his hands. 
I think so. Do you think he was always that way? Is it more, I mean, when you, when you have had a, a career as long as his and as successful as his, um, you know, he, 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 when he was talking yesterday, there, there was an awareness that there aren't going to be, you know, a huge number of days like this again and that therefore Alpinista is particularly special. He was saying that the uh, the statue is already she's already been measured up for the statue. Good. Uh, <laughs> they, they've had got Philip Black around. You know, it's all, right. all, it's all being that's all un, under under control. So I think there's there's a poignancy in it. I, I felt, mm. and I also feel that you know you don't see him at the race course that often, and therefore kind of like we we yearn after seeing him, don't we? And you know people are genuinely delighted to see him at the race course when he does come along. And so to see him at York winning a Group One, that's going to be particularly special. And, We've been talking with a number of trainers. I mean, uh, William Haggis was reflecting yesterday about how much he enjoyed the reception that Baye got and uh, somebody stopping him uh, in the car park after the, the, the uh, Wednesday afternoon and sort of saying, you know, basically, you, you know, you've really made my day. Thank you very much. And he sort of took that home and really cherished it almost as much as perhaps the success itself. So it's just that the, the, this crowd here... And it, I know it's a cliche, the knowledgeable crowd, but this is it is it is not a cliche about York. I don't think you know. I I, I feel it in terms of uh, how a particular particular uh, the people who come here are about seeing their horses in the paddock and then coming and congratulating them afterwards as well. And even sort of, I mean, we've done things for racing TV, haven't we? Like club days and like the questions you get from people who come along who are York members who are interested in horse racing. You know, they are really sort of you know complicated, engaged, interesting questions about horse racing that you get asked at the end when you say does anyone have any questions and a, a forest of hands shoots up and usually it's just deathly silence uh, there's a nice little story come to me today via William Darby who's the chief executive here that uh, the horse running in the Nunthorpe Acclam Express uh-huh. big outsider the connections think he's much better when he stays the night away from home now he's only trained half an hour up the road <laughs> They brought him here last night to stay the night. Okay, so they're, they're basing this on Dubai and Ascot when the, he's finished yeah. third in the Alquaz and third in the Kingsland. Exactly. Stand. Yeah, right, okay. And he's run very well at Goodwood as well, hasn't yes, he? Yes, yes, he has. Yeah, so, he has, yeah. Yeah, so apparently when he, when he, he, he prefers a night away. <laughs> so he's, he's come. He's come <laughs> that, for the night. Well, that, come to stay right. the night. Is it, well, endorsements it, for York all over the shop. Well, it keeps, yeah, I suppose it keeps it fresh for him, I suppose. So Alpinista could go to the... Now, further to the interview I did with William Haggis yesterday, where he did sort of seem to suggest the Irish champion stakes might be quite a good stopping point for Baid. He then opened out and said, right, everything's on the table, mm-hmm. which is... It's a good position to take, isn't mm-hmm. it? You've got to keep everything, all the balls there, haven't mm-hmm. you, rather than shutting everything down. Well, it is a conversation. I mean, you know, Ang- Angus Gold was wanting to have the conversation. I'm sure Shaker Hissel had the conversation. You don't get to have these conversations. I mean, the, having the conversation is a treat in itself, really. Having a horse that is good enough for you to be considering all of these different options is just a fabulous conversation to have and I was asking William about you know he was counselling himself you remember after the Sussex Stakes to enjoy it by as much as he can and I was asking whether he was still managing to enjoy it I mean, he would, and he conceded again that you know he does he does feel the pressure of it I mean there is inevitable pressure but that he has to try and enjoy it as much as he can um, the the Irish Champions Weekend, uh, Irish Champion Stakes, and new, new sponsorship with Bahrain, of course. That, that marketing machine went into absolute overdrive. <laughs> predictably enough, within about ten minutes, they were they were tweeting like mad. I really enjoyed that interview yesterday, and no, I did uh, too. And, and William's sort of analysis of how the media works, which just sort of like, and it, then it just exactly played out as it was going to. 
Last night, at British time, the entire world of horse racing was shaken by the vivid images of multi-eclipse award-winning trainer Chad Brown, currently leading the table as ever at Saratoga, in handcuffs in a Saratoga Springs courtroom. Uh, he had been uh, charged with criminal in obstruction of breathing, a misdemeanor, and he spent the night in jail, entered a not guilty plea, and was ordered to reappear in court and cash bail was posted at $2,500. According to a handwritten statement, says the Thoroughbred Daily News from the alleged victim, who was not named, an encounter with Brown had turned violent after she entered his house and found him in bed with another female. The statement reads, On the 17th of August at 11pm, I went to the house of Chad Brown, my on-again, off-again significant other. I have a key to the house, so I let myself in. I went to his room and saw another female in bed with him. I confronted him on that and he got up and pushed me down some stairs. I fought him down the hallway. He pinned me to the floor and started choking me. He applied pressure to my neck while it was against the floor. I was able to push him off me and get up. Uh, Chad then pushed me out the door and I left and came to the police station. And uh, Brown was then arrested. And his attorney, Joseph Gertzenzang, told the court that Brown was left with no option but to defend himself after the woman broke into his house. The judge, significantly, um, and this was reported... Uh, on Twitter by Sabrina Dami of WNYT Television, uh, the judge Francine Vero said, this court is not in the business of accusing domestic violent victims. And Gersenstang has not been responding to subsequent requests for, for information. The, the case is ongoing. Um, Chad Brown, as I say, is on course to win the Saratoga trainer's title for the fifth time. He is the record holder. He is uh, local to Saratoga as well, by birth as well as uh, place of work. New York Racing Association has said they are aware of the charges brought against trainer Chad Brown. will defer additional comment on this matter to the Saratoga Springs Police Department. And together with uh, our American colleagues, we will bring you up to speed on this uh, case at the beginning of next week. Well, one of the most extraordinary performances of day two of the Skybet Ebor Festival was the performance of, of Should Have Been a Ring uh, in the sales race run in honour of um, uh, Harry Beebe and supported by, by Goffs UK. Um, Kenny Sangar is one of the, the owners who made up the Midland Park, I think 18 partnership, if my reading of Roman numerals is correct. But Kenny, you and your, your family have been involved in, in Midland Park racing for, for a long time. How did yesterday's r rather thrilling victory stack up? Well, I mean, it was fantastic, to honest with you. I mean, as you you might recall, you interviewed me before the St. Ledger uh, in 2016. That was probably one of the, the highlights. Um, yesterday was, was another one, to honest with you. I mean, obviously, on the face of it, it's a class two, but really being at York, such a beautiful place, such a competitive environment, great prize money, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, I've never been on that podium before, so fantastic experience. I mean, we really enjoyed it. We had a great time, and we were hosted wonderfully i mean it was just it, you know everyone was looking after us everyone was enjoying it it's just such a great feeling to be back after such a difficult couple of years definitely fantastic tell me a little bit about your your relationship with this ownership group and and how you and your your family got into it well my dad has always been into racing we've, we've had horses for about 21 22 years now so um we used to be with david Redos when he used to do syndications so that was really when we sort of got into group racing, so that was fantastic. Um, you know, in terms of uh, everything else we were looking to do with Midland Park, we got into one horse, um, and within, I think it was Ventura Storm, our first horse, uh, second horse, it was with them. 
So we went from being in class two, class threes. We were in group racing within three or four races. So uh, yeah, it was brilliant. We we got in got in to go to Longchamp, and within the first six months of being with Long Park, I think we we're just exceptionally lucky. But um, yeah, we, we had a great time with that. We went we went to Paris. Obviously, that horse won a Group One in in Italy as well. So they buy horses that are good. They're, they've got great agents. We we look to try and find things with them and and try and place them well. So. It's, it's always a challenge when, when horse racing is so competitive. I mean, the Coolmores and the Godolphins of this world are, are brilliant. And, you know, we're taking them on at different times is, is another experience. So, Midland Park have been really good for us. We really, you know, enjoy being with them and long may it continue. Well, you heard Kenny there entirely unprompted saying what a great experience he'd enjoyed as, a, as an owner here at York. Matty Sterling is the marketing and sponsorship executive on the, on the Knavesmire. Uh, Matty, to, how important to you is, is providing a, a superior experience for the owners, particularly at this fixture? Um, it is very important to us here. Obviously, without the horses here, we don't have racing for the crowds to enjoy. Um, we want every owner to have a fantastic day here, whether they win or lose on the track. They've still had a good experience. And how does that manifest itself? What have, what have you done over the last few years to make that better? Um, so we are always trying to improve prize money, increase it where we can. And we're a non-for-profit organization all of our profits go back into the racing itself so we do that increase in prize money this week alone we have over six million pounds worth of prize money for the owners to take home that that's um, something perhaps people don't realize so there aren't shareholders taking out great big dividends every year everything that gets made goes back into the back into the uh, the sport yep so it goes back into the sport back into the facilities here for owners and race goers to enjoy and just that new facility you've built above the above the new weighing room that is that is a really state of the art experience yeah so that's our parade ring restaurant that is one of our high hospitality areas and for smaller groups to enjoy a great day's racing look over the parade ring and see the fantastic horses below yeah kenny there was you part of a slightly larger syndicate you you obviously are able to accommodate their needs reasonably effectively as well how do you do that yeah so we have our dedicated owners and trainers lounge which is in the melrose stand it has a balcony that looks over the finish line and um, so it's a bit bigger um, and it allows big groups of people to go up and enjoy the day own private bar in there and see the racing from the view now we spoke to Hattie Rochester yesterday about Strad style now I'm not quite sure what we're going to do about this Stradivarius isn't going to run are you still expecting lots of people wearing yellow and black today or is it just going to be black in morning because he's not running no obviously we are disappointed that the horse can't be here but his connections will be the most disappointed after us all you've got to look after the horse first and we wish him a speedy recovery and hope that he will return to a race course soon and um, as our race goers do love Stradivarius he's a fan's favorite we are still going to carry on the style competition outfits are planned now Nick you can't can't mess with that but Lydia's still with me I mean Lydia it's worth picking this point up um, that York is runs as a not-for-profit mm. institution. I mean, there there are directors here, but mm -hmm. it's not a it's not a PLC. There's no no dividends returned to to shareholders. I mean, to what extent is that contributory to what they're able to do? Do you think? I think it's hugely contributory. It means that the the people that they attract to come and work with them are absolute fully paid up fans of the sport are doing it for the sport and want the best for York and want the best for racing because those two things British Racing and York are synonymous because uh, like Ascot like Goodwood it, they rely on getting the best horses to come and race in their races and so therefore that is good for British Racing in terms of its international standing and its relevance to people who are interested in top class sport whether they watch on TV via ITV Racing and other channels uh, but primarily that because that helps to drive um, better turnover or whether they come along through the through the doors and obviously we saw during COVID that 
racecourses like York are heavily dependent on people actually coming to watch the sport. It's not just you know their media rights, it's not just betting. They actually need people through the doors and so I'm a tremendous fan of York's and a tremendous fan of, of courses like it because I think they are run uh, the right way for the betterment of the sport. Well, one man who had a, a very good day yesterday was Agent Richard Brown from Blandford Bloodstock and a friend of the show as well because he purchased the shock to some, but probably not to him, Lowther winner swing along at Tattersall's Book 2. Uh, he also brokered the deal to take Golden Horn from Darley via uh, a new owner, Jane McGiven, to stand at Simon Sweeting's Overbury Stud and Golden Horn's Philly Hascoy won the Galtres, is still unbeaten for Judmont and Coloured Abdullah, so that looks a smart bit of business. And he's got the favourite mighty Ulysses for Saeed Sahail, uh, John and Thady Gosden and Frankie Dettori and tomorrow's Strensel Stakes. So York is, is being kind to you at the moment, Richard. Yeah, so far, Nick. Uh, yesterday was a was a great day. Very exciting. I've just moved house, so unfortunately couldn't be there in person. But I was uh, I was um, screaming at home, um, and yeah, not not such a big surprise to us um, because Carl Burke has always told us from the very start that this was a smart filly. I think she she's a she's a big a big filly, and I think she's one for the future. And I just think she's sort of mature enough now to show us on the track what she's been showing Carl at home. She is a, a quite a quite a hefty unit. Where do you see her future? Um, well, I think the next step, you know, <clears throat> there's not really many other options other than other than the um, Chiefly Park. I haven't actually spoken to Sheikh Juma. I don't tend to get involved in those things. That's for Bruce Raven, Philip Robinson, Sheikh Juma, and um, and Carl Burt. But I, I mean, I would think that the Chiefly Park looks the the obvious option. Um, but I would think it's very possible that you know she might get uh, she might get further in time. So she was a Tattersall's book two yearling. Can you remember her very clearly when you when you looked at her? Yeah, I can. Um, I've got a terrible memory for most things in life, uh, apart from horses. I can very vividly remember her walking up and down now. Uh, bought her off Mount Armstrong. Um, they're very good breeders. And she was, um, yeah, look, a very straightforward filly. Sheikh Juma had wanted her by... Um, uh, a filly to specifically send to, to Carl and um, he's obviously done well, very well with showcasing previously so we bought this filly, um, Sheikh Jim, I thought it was ideal and um, so it has turned out. Uh, and uh, tomorrow you've got Mighty Ulysses, a horse you bought at, at book one for 170000 for Saeed Sahail. Uh, how high do you think he could fly? He's quite a short price favourite for the Strensel Stakes. Yeah, look, um, being by Ulysses, you sort of, over the winter, we were sort of thinking, um, you know, mile and a half route, um, started him off at Epsom over a mile and a quarter in that, uh, in the Derby trial, and he didn't, um, he didn't get home, you know, furlong out, travelling very strongly, and just didn't quite get home, um, he won the Henry Cecil at the, um, at the July meeting very impressively with no pace um, it was far from ideal for him uh, so I think nine furlongs will be a, a perfect stepping stone and hopefully next year he will get a mile and a quarter again he's still slightly unfurnished I think next year will be his year John's always rated him very highly and um, hopefully this is a stepping stone onto bigger and better things and I mentioned you, you brokered the deal for, for Golden Horn to go to um, Jane McGiven's Dash Grange Stud to stand at Overbury Stud with Simon Sweeting. Having come from, from Darley, it, it's, it's beginning to look like a very good bit of business. Yeah, look, um, um, we thought it was a very good bit of business at the time, but um, since we uh, since we bought him, he's had a Group Three winner in France, and, and obviously, you know, raced for the yesterday. Who looked um, who looked very good and looks like she's going to be extremely progressive. 
Um, I spoke to Jane yesterday afternoon, straight afterwards. She was in a back of a back of a taxi in Riyadh. She's working over there at the moment. And she was uh, she was extremely excited. Uh, look, Golden Horn settled in um, settled in very well. Um, she went to see him about ten days ago, and as you know, he is the most magnificent looking animal. And she she's delighted. And we're all yeah, look, we're all very excited about taking him on to the next chapter in his career. Richard, thanks so much. Great, thanks, mate. Richard Brown there, who's had a, a quite a good week one way and another. Uh, you and I have talked the Golden Horn move Absolutely quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. And in fairness to Anthony Oppenheimer, when the, the horse was sold and moved from Dully, he said, I'm going to carry on backing him, continue to support him. You know, he was just giving out the facts and figures and the commercial reality. Mm-hmm. But fair play, Jane McGiven. She's gone in and she could get... This, this could work out very well I for think her. so I think she's made a really really good move and it, it's understandable from all directions but I mean more than anything again I'm just glad that he stays on our shores I mean we've seen a leakage of horses like that to places like you know primarily Japan who've done mm. very very well with horses that we cast off and overlook far too quickly and there's a function of the breeding machine where horses like Golden Horn can get spat out for no good reason at a very very early stage and then you suddenly realise what it is she's lost and with Haskell yesterday in the Goldtree Stakes. I mean, goodness, she has come out of total left field, walked into Rafe Beckett's yard in May, and on her second start has now won at listed level at York. I think the other thing is, when, when stallions are considered to be dual-purpose stallions, or uh, neither one thing nor the other, and, and Nathaniel has been un, until you know he's proven himself with Enable and now with Desert Crown and any number of good horses, he is a top, top-notch stallion. Yes. And you're Golden Horn on the top side of that pedigree. Not every staying flat horse is a suitable jumps horse. They are very distinct disciplines. The idea that you've got a, 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 a in the nicest possible way, slowish or stamina laden jumps a flat horse, they're automatically going to be a jumper. I, I've never really bought into that idea. I, I, I agree with that. I, but, it, but you take a horse like Nathaniel, though, and you look at his pedigree, um, and the idea that there was a point where it was touch and go for Nathaniel, and you just you know just dispassionately, and it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, take take a step back and, and look wanna, at that. Pedigree. And he won a bloody eclipse for God's sake. Exactly, <laughs> he's not exactly like he was slow himself. But just just I mean, you know, I I will I am an unashamed fan of the middle distance horse, middle distance upwards into you know long distance horses, and that goes for the, the size as well and you know I'm very much rooting for Golden Horn at the moment and Haskoy could now be heading towards something like the Park Hill over the extended mile 6 at the St Ledger distance mm. at Doncaster St Ledger Festival What I hadn't really appreciated until I watched your interviews back yesterday was that Ryan Moore and Rafe Beckett were pointing out that the first time she'd actually set foot on grass of any description with somebody on her back was when she walked across the nation like yesterday. Right. Uh, extraordinary. Because she isn't only it? came in midway through the summer. We've had this drought. They've only been able to get on the all weather and she ran at Wolverhampton. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it sort of, you could tell that Ryan Moore was re- impressed afterwards. And, you know, stamina is clearly her strong point. But she's obviously got, she's obviously a very focused horse who's learning very quickly and able to overcome um, adversity because she. You know, she was completely off her feet. She was off outpaced, but she found a way through, particularly when she was helped by that inside rail. All right, time for our daily whirlpool update with the Toads, Jamie Hart. Jamie, what news? Uh, yesterday was up um, to over 32 million, so 40% bigger than last year, same day last year. Um, number of big overpays. There was interesting 
because the exacta almost always overpays and then there was a slight underpay but it was on the race with the two judgments first and second so that's something to bear in mind for people when they are doing their exactas and things if there are two obvious ones that people would put together you probably don't want to play there because that's where most people will play so the two appleby runners in, in the later on handicap you, you could avoid um, but it's a great, another great day and another great set of opportunities. A little bit disappointing that we haven't got Stradivarius here uh, for the for the Lonsdale. But there, there will be plenty of big pools today. We're expecting about 33 million. Well, will that put a significant dent in the pool for that race? Yeah, it will, just because of the interest. And there, I mean, it's, you're either with Stradivarius or against you. The ground with... Uh, with true Shen is obviously a question, but people will have have polarised opinions, and those polarised opinions really drive those big bets. Um, so it will have a dent. Uh, we still have seven runners, so that that's the crucial number. Um, but uh, yeah, every I mean everybody wants to see Stradivarius, including all of our uh, co-minglers out in the Far East. So of course, the decision on whether or not to run true Shan becomes even more significant. Oh, very much. If Trishan drops out, we go down to six runners. Then, uh, then they close off the Quinella place, which is uh, over a million pound pools a unit. There. And the consequent impact of that on the uh, race course income obviously carries through. So, yeah, we definitely would like Trishan to run. Well, it's around about now that we really start building up in earnest to the Melbourne Cup Carnival. And we'll be doing that here on the podcast right up until the event itself when we'll be broadcasting from Australia. Very pleased to welcome into the show. And he's been here at York all week, the Executive General Manager of Racing for the Victoria Racing Club, Lee Jordan. Lee, how are you enjoying the week so far? Yeah, it's been great, Nick. Um, I think the win of Baid in the Judmont International was was super. I was actually lucky enough to be here when Frankel won the Judmont International back in 2012. So it was terrific. Yesterday, I think um, Alpinista winning the um, Group 1 Yorkshire Oaks for Samark. Uh, Prescott was fantastic. He's, he's a, I've had the pleasure of actually going to his yard and um, he's a fantastic person and um, he's a very, very good trainer. So I was really cheering her all the way down the straight yesterday. So uh, the first two days have been really good. Obviously, you're here because you want to um, drum up business for, for, for Melbourne chiefly. And, and in Deauville Legend, the three-year-old who, who won the, the great voltage, you've got a very, very serious contender. I, I just wondered from your perspective, how do you think that's going to stack up weight-wise for him? Yeah, it's interesting. When Cross Counter um, won the cup, he was a three-year-old, had similar sort of form lines. He actually ran second in the, in the great voltage on, on the way through. He carried 51, um, and then more recently, the, the handicapper changed his judgment a little bit on the Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds, and um, Constantinople, that also came through similar sort of form line, carried 52 and a half. So, uh, you know, if, if you sort of take a bit of a line through that, maybe he might be 52 and a half, 53, which is still still a very good weight in the cup. So that would that would still, in your opinion, make him competitive because he looks a horse that just is going to keep on improving yeah no i I don't i think that sort of weight he'd still be very very competitive and um i know james luckily called into the market on the way up and uh, visited james and uh uh he's he's fairly uh bullish about the horse's chances so um and and we all saw it on wednesday he's very impressive winning 
obviously you and I chatted when the initial international entry came out and it was a, a very strong one and I know how delighted everybody was that it was back on radar for the for the European trainers. How have you found the reception since you've been over and going around visiting trainers? Do you feel the appetite to, to go and get on the plane is significant? Yeah, no, it's definitely back. Um, look, I think it's been well documented. The, um, the the new veterinary protocols that have been put in place a couple of years ago, and um, they were changed slightly this year without the compulsory scintigraphy. And I think those protocols in general will probably get reviewed every year. Um, they sit okay with some and not not okay with others, and that's just um, the process and and how we'll go through things. I, I think even though we've got a high number of forty three nominations, Nick, I, I still think probably around that four to six mark may travel, which I think is probably spot on. And um, I think when we got up to the figures of maybe twelve, we had twelve one year. I think um, I, I think that four to six will probably probably sit well. And there's a, a big staying race this afternoon, the Lonsdale Cup. We don't expect a, a full field. We know we're not going to get a full field because Stradivarius isn't going to run. We're waiting on news of, of Trushan. Do you, do you expect any interest in, in, in Australian races from any of the, the competitors in today's race? Yes, I do. Um, Tashkan, who's trained by Brian Ellison. Um, Brian, he's, he's, he's had a ongoing relationship with the Cup and he's very keen to bring um, Tashkan down. So I'd be interested to see how he goes today. We've also got um, a condition in our Melbourne Cup nominations because we, we closed on August 1. The place skiers in the Lonsdale Cup today and also the place skiers in the Ebor, if they're not nominated for the Cup, can still nominate. So um, definitely today will be very interesting watching the, the result of the Lonsdale Cup. And really what York have been trying to create with the Ebor is, is something that approximates uh, the Melbourne Cup o- over, over time. Are, are you supporting them in that bid to link the two races more closely? Yes, um, Nick, William Darby, who uh, a very good CEO of York, puts a lot of effort in. Um, he's very, very keen to, to get that Ebor closely associated with the Melbourne Cup. And, um, I mean, it's got a great history with the Cup. If you go back through, like, back to, say, Purple Moon, who won the race back in 2007, he ran second in the Melbourne Cup. And um, more recently, like a Heartbreak City that won in 2016 ran second in the Melbourne Cup so there's this real good association with that race and with the extra prize money that the club have put into the race there's a lot of significance there's about Oh, I think it's about seven or eight um, in the Ebor tomorrow that are nominated for the Melbourne Cup. And as I said before, the winner can actually um, nominate as well. So tomorrow's going to be a significant race for sure. Well, thanks to Lee. Very much looking forward to tomorrow's Ebor. I know Lydia will be very much looking forward to tomorrow's Melrose, her favourite race of the year, of course, and indeed this afternoon's Coolmore Nunthorpe. So you can package up all those goodies. <laughs> Lydia, should we start with this afternoon and the, and the Nunthorpe? How do you see it shaping up? Right, well, I think that the two um, sort of verve horses, Royal Acclaim and the Platinum Queen, are very, very short. They're totally dominating the market. I feel slightly more convinced by Royal Acclaim than I do the Platinum Queen. I think this is going to be a totally different experience for the two-year-old. And whilst her time at Goodwood says that she's earned her place here and she obviously is very good, this is going to be something else. Royal Acclaim, I think, is more um, ready for it in, in terms of her age and also that she's got the experience here. But nonetheless, she feels short to me against horses like Highfield Princess, career best performance last time. Um, and even Dragon Symbol, who looks to have been sweetened up last time, and you've even got Emma Artiano, I know you're a fan of, who should like conditions out yeah, there. Yeah, if it keeps drying up. I, in the end, I went for Highfield Princess at the prices because she's in such good form and she's so good at York. But Five Furlongs is 
a little bit of a concern. I think at the price is Emirati yeah, and it represents good good value still. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. He is a bit of a cliff horse of yours, but I think it's it is that, you, that would be fair. It, it totally fair. It worked beautifully in last year's yes, I know. Uh, Sprint Cup at Haydock. And it, it didn't come off too badly in the July Cup. He was sixth, admittedly, but he, he did run well. Yes, he did. Um, and we can't, of course, dismiss Russell, who's in the form of no. his life for the horse watchers and our, our good friends, uh, Martin and Chris Dixon. Um, and he should run extremely well. I mean, he, he did really well to almost run down Cardo in the King George at Goodwood. And I, oh, you've just pointed out to me how many glasses are being filled on, the, on your left-hand side. It, this, this, is, this is quite unnerving for 10 to 11 in the morning. Well, it was much earlier yesterday with red wine yesterday. <laughs> it's, 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 it's white and pink champagne today. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight glasses here for four of us because Neil Phillips the wine tipster and Alastair Harwood from Lanson have joined us you'll hear from them in just a second I do want to talk to you about the uh, Melrose Stakes tomorrow yeah. Melrose Handicap tomorrow or do they still call it the Melrose Stakes I just call it the Melrose. Yeah, I, don't, Melrose. I think it's a bit like it's reached like Madonna status. I don't well, think it needs a surname. But do you ever get the winner of it? Uh, no, because <laughs> I I followed these horses all season, and then there's about fourteen of them running against each other. Or there are only thirteen tomorrow. But you know what I mean? It's just like there's a which way it do is, you turn? So it is a it is a curious race to have as your favourite race, isn't it? it? It so you'll have to kind of explain this. Okay, so I really like, as I've explained earlier, I really like a stayer. Yeah, yeah. And so I will start looking at pedigrees of two-year-olds uh, and thinking, well, that's the kind of horse that's going to bloom over uh, 12 furlongs and maybe even develop into a Melrose horse. So I'm thinking about that already, sort of late summer into autumn. And then you follow them in the early part of the season. And I just like that uh, progress through the season. Some of them will um, jump into being pattern class and others will um, need more of a trip as they develop. And I just like that kind of, I mean, I like the way a staying race develops in that sort of slow way it's like a tail that sort of really draws you okay, in so that's it. my thing I like that um, I would love to see Keys Chorister win again too. yeah, yeah that, that would be amazing for her and she is hugely progressive and you wouldn't necessarily count against her obviously Benoit de la Sayette was usually riding her uh, he is not on board it's Pat Cosgrave you know, bearing in mind that with Benoit you're getting some free poundage you know that, that has got to be borne in mind in, the, you know, in the, your calculations Savvy Knight I had pin ro- uh, pinpointed for this race quite a way back but things have not exactly gone to plan certainly last time out um, and Sean Woods his trainer was a bit scratching his head as to what had gone wrong and so hence the cheek pieces but on the basis of how well he ran in the King George V handicap when he finished fourth and wasn't best positioned on that occasion I think he could run hugely. Solcombe since last August has been my idea of the winner of the of the Melrose. My concern is his slowly into stride habit and whether even at York he might just get himself into the wrong position. Yeah, and Lydia, before we get um, stuck into this obscene quantity of champagne, uh, what is your, your tip for either today or tomorrow? OK, um, there's two I'm going with in the Ebor, but the tip was actually running today. So I'm really interested in a couple of Irish runners in the Ebor. In the Ebor. Licence for Joe Lyons, who's won the race before. Uh, this horse, I think, is very much unexposed. He shaped last time as though, had he been better positioned, he would have got more involved, and I think he will improve for a step-up and trip. And Akita Sushi as well, uh, really eye-catching third in the Copper Horse Handicap, suggesting that 
that this kind of race would be well within his compass. He, he was just too far back in, in the race last time. I think you can safely ignore that. So those are two against the field for the Ebor. But today, the horse I fancy, and you'll, you'll, again, you'll feel this is weird, the two-year-old, I happened to be at Ascot and Spurs Cigar Estates day and I saw Noble Style make his debut. Oh, yeah, he he made a huge impression on yeah. me. He wasn't quite as impressive returning from a setback last time, but he runs in the gym crack uh, today. That's the three o'clock at York. And I think he's just far too big. He's around about three to one. He's come up against horses that have done more than him, but I think he's got a huge amount of ability. Now, the champagne is here. Mm-hmm. Um, Alistair Harwood is here from Lawson together with, with Neil. Um, Alistair, what have you brought us today? Well, I'm just opening as we speak. Lawson Rosé. Uh, and our uh, newer champagne called L'Anson Black Reserve, uh, two of which we've uh, married up with dishes in the Parade Ring restaurant, mm-hmm. which we're really happy about. Uh, and we've just done a lovely tasting very early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and they're, they're tasting great. The food looks fantastic and tastes fantastic. Uh, yeah, so we're just looking forward to some champagne. All right, so from a, um, a sommelier's uh, <laughs> expert palate, Neil Phillips, what, what are you telling me about the rosé? Well, I love this style of rosé. Dry style, Lydia. Just remember what we've tasted before yes. in terms of champagnes here, but you're looking for those, those cherries, those rosés with the strawberries, but it's the length of finish as well. And just, come on, Lydia, I'm going to get a tasting oh, yeah. note for you today. <laughs> yeah, Lydia's getting very excited about yeah. this. But it's a great length of finish. It is. Lydia, are you, are you experiencing that? I, I actually am. My sister would like this. This is right at my sister's street. I, I shall tell Matilda. <laughs> and um, I'm lucky enough to have met Lydia's sister and can tell you that she's, she's got far more discerning and better taste than Lydia has. Can, so. I, can I point out that that is actually true? <laughs> she actually does know something about champagne. <laughs> but, but one thing is just say, this is a drier style than we've had before. This is a hallmark of the L'Anson style, actually, this dryness and that freshness, which is really, really attractive. And it makes it great to go with desserts as well. We've just been having this with a lovely dessert too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the dryness, but then the, the sweet fruit of the strawberries and the raspberries. Yeah, we had it with a lovely chocolate dessert and it really cut through the, the chocolate. It fills the mouth, Absolutely, it? Yeah. yeah. And that's why champagne is so great. With yeah. the extended ageing, fills the mouth. And the length, as Neil said, yeah. should be fantastic. Good. Okay, well, I, I enjoyed that very much. Shall we move on to the... Next. To the, <laughs> it's a L'Anson Black Reserve. Um, so this, please... Well, Lydia's already in, but... Uh, Am I? <laughs> Thank you very much. It's got a bit more body, so same as Neil said, still dry and fresh, uh, our house style, but almost candy fruit. So fresh and crisp, but really a bit more, bit more length, a bit more honey than the rosé we just had. And this is a sort of fuller style as well. If you think about it, you're getting real full flavours here. And think about lovely aperitif style, but also great with food. Mm-hmm. be interesting to know what your sister thinks about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> But the <laughs> I'll get her to send you some tasting notes. <laughs> you, you supply the goods, Neil. Yeah. She'll be there. <laughs> be there. This is going to happen, I can tell. But, but I think it's, it's the full flavour here. And again, you've got that sort of butteriness and also a slightly biscuity character as well. Uh, and it's again, it's dry style too, which is lovely. And that's so refreshing. And you really come back to the wine there. One other just little quick point here is about what information you have on the labels on your champagnes, which is unusual. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, on the bat labels, we have, well, every bit of information you'd ever want. Uh, the, the grapes that go in, the ageing, the sugar content. Uh, in this case, there's 70% of the grapes are Grand Cru, which are the best quality grapes you can have for champagne. So both for people working in hospitality and just for, 
for consumers. Great to have all the information. Which is unusual, and I think that's really great, because we want to know more stuff. We want to read about label and actually have a look and see some information now. And it's unusual for a champagne house to do that. I think that's great, really. I, I don't like to be too uh, repetitive on this podcast, but that Scotch egg sitting there again, <laughs> as it was yesterday. When Lydia heard Rishi making those rather vulgar noises over the Scotch egg, she insisted that one be delivered here and that we could... Uh, we could because I've built this up. I mean, they're... Come on, we've just got... They're obscene. Um, I mean, look at that. Oh, it's beautiful looking. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a Scotch egg fan. Scotch eggs are... are Oh, I'm supreme this, for me. So this is from Jeb Bell. So Deb's Bell came around yesterday take with it. us. Oh, let's go for it. Let's pass it around. Yeah. Actually, I'll take us up. There we go. Deb's Bell came in yesterday. Three-generation family business now. Absolutely fantastic. They make great pies as well, but mm. also they make absolutely stunning scotch eggs, which okay. taste brilliant. So I need the Hislop verdict on the scotch egg. Okay. And that will, round, that will round off what's been a fabulous week on the podcast here. At York, you've got all the winners on the track. This is going to be the most significant winner off the track. Excellent, thank you. Thank you very much. Well. I wish he wasn't faking it, was he? This, this is really good. We, we try not to on this show. <laughs> This is this is tremendous. I mean, what do you think? Well, this? I mean, this is got. And I tell you what, I'm going to do is actually pick up that rosé champagne and have that with the Scotch eggs. The flavours, the spice, the spiciness you got with the Scotch eggs is brilliant. They're fantastic. Everybody's talking about these Scotch eggs, aren't they? That's the group. You are. You love them yesterday and the bite. Absolutely insane. Um, thank you to everybody. Thank you, Alistair, Neil, Lydia. Thank you very much for listening this week. Don't forget, Charlotte will be back this evening uh, with a roundup of what's been happening during the course of the last seven days on the podcast and a look ahead to Ebor Day tomorrow. Skybet Ebor Day tomorrow. We'll be back with you on Monday. But for now, from all the team, it's bye from us. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.